Hello, listener. Do you like scary movies? What's your favorite scary movie? Well, Jay and Mike like scary movies, too. You should go and subscribe to their podcast. We watched a movie. Because if you don't, I'll gut you like a... Well, I think you get the idea. Enjoy yourselves while you still can. Hey guys, welcome back to We Watch Movie. I am Mike. Thanks for taking a moment of your day to spend it with me today. We are talking all the deaths in Scream 6. Every single little one. 13 to be exact. There's going to be Scream spoilers in this, obviously. So I think apparently, according to the box office numbers, everyone's seen Scream 6. So we can feel free to talk about what we want at this point. Because it's doing great. It's doing fantastic. And you love to see it. You really do. And I love to see you guys. How are you guys doing? Please let me know in the comments below. I want to know how the fuck you're doing how's your day going mine's going good got some awesome stuff in the mail check this out new wham shirts are in got the logo on the front how do you know that my dim-witted inexperience isn't merely a subtle form of manipulation used to lower people's expectations thereby enhancing my ability to effectively maneuver within any given situation and for all you stew livesters we've got stew live stuff we got shirts we got hats this is a camo hat so i don't know why i bought the camo hat i don't ever wear camo uh, but there's other colors of the hats as well there's stew lift t-shirts check it all out in the link down below skis i'll put it in the pinned comment ha <laughs> sydney number 13 the least one it happens off screen you just see his body really quick just fucked up in a bathtub just blood all over the place it looks like what warner brothers has done to the dc universe just blood everywhere disgusting mess but you don't see what happens but you do know that it is paul from earlier in the movie that quinn was banging and she's like is that paul and he goes who the fuck is paul babe paul 2.0 is who this guy's listed as in the credits because he's the second paul Number 13, this is just a quick one. Shopper number two in the in the bodega where Ghostface goes. It's not the first guy that comes up, but the second guy. This dude just runs up like an idiot. You know what I mean? Like, oh my God, that guy with a mask is stabbing the shit out of people. Let me run towards him with my jugular out. Number 12, Gail's boyfriend. This one is just weird because the guy is just there with no explanation whatsoever the last time we saw her she was arguing with dewey she was just grieving over dewey i don't know if this is a tinder hookup who knows what the hell's going on i'm guessing it may be but he's comfortable enough to answer her phone so fuck i don't know either way he answers the phone and one of the reasons this is one of the worst death scenes if you look at who the killers are and where they are this is definitely quinn in gail's apartment doing this killing and this is some of ghostface's most physical action though when he parkour hardcores off the couch and you hear that whoosh, that whoosh noise or whatever ghostface pops out like a damn ninja takes this big ass dude down with no noise being heard gail didn't even hear it for all of her smarts pulls him over and then picks the guy i guess let's listen throat kills him however and then throws him through the bookshelf across the room and we're supposed to believe that this is quinn it's kind of an unbelievable kill if you're to believe that's quinn however this kill will go up in the rankings what am i doing with my fingers come on it's time for your checkup what will bump this up in the rank is when we do find out in Scream 7 or whenever that this was actually Stu. And here's my theory behind that. I also think Stu killed Dewey in the hospital scene. Both of them are classic characters from the franchise that, that Ghostface was attempting to kill. Think about how personal Ghostface got 
with Gail, more so than anybody else that that was spoken to on the phone. Very personal, talking about Dewey, talking about Sydney a lot, things like that, the size. The physical capabilities don't make sense in either scene, and they're both classic characters. Just part of my stew theory. Let's go on to the next one. Number 11, Greg in the fridge. Just good old Greg, just hanging out next to the mayonnaise, chopped up in a little fucking bits. Again, a, an off-screen death scene, uh, but it's just cool because it's in the opening of the film, and it really sets the tone that this movie is going to be kind of skanky. And I mean that in a good way. His intestines are hanging out. He's chopped up. It looks like Jeffrey, Jeffrey Dahmer's lunch. And, uh, yeah, just quick to the point. And I love the scene right before the door opens when Ghostface is like, uh, it's like, you're on fire. Sounds like an NBA jam commentator. Number 10, going to be Quinn. Quinn, uh, one of the killers, obviously. Her death was pretty simple. It was really cool if you do include the brick to the face, though. She got her teeth fucking knocked out. It was, she hit her with that brick. It was with anger. She was like, I go to church every goddamn Sunday. You going to bring the demons out of me? Bam! Bitch went down. Sid, super bitch. And then the teeth just go flying out of her, out of her mouth like Michael Myers decorating bathroom stalls. That was gnarly. But her death itself was just a quick shot to the head, even though she was kind of going, you know, doing her whole ghost face. I'm a fucking nutbag! Macho man on, on acid. She just gets shot in the head. Pretty simple, good old ghost face kill. Number nine, shopper number one. This guy reminds me of a bass player from when I was in a band. Uh, just his attitude and everything. Ghostface runs to the bodega, and this, I guess, is supposed to be this typical like rough New Yorker. But to me, he kind of had like a sort of a country feel to him. And I love that the first thing the guy does. There's these girls screaming. He's like, "Hey, there's a fucking line here, all right? Without rules, we're animals." He's like, "Oh, there's a guy in a mask." And his reaction to him is even stranger because he's like. You see this dude run up to you in a mask. He's like, you got a problem, buddy? That's not the guy to fuck with, all right, Megadeth? And Ghostface just looks at him for a second, gives him the old one-two fuck you right in the rib cage, and kills the guy off. But it's a perfect kill to show how brutal Ghostface is going to be this time around, how Ghostface is going to be just out there with his dick out, just killing people in the streets, doesn't really give a fuck that he's just right in the middle of the public like this. Pretty awesome tone setter of a scene. Number eight, we're getting into the really good ones now. Samara Weaving as the opening kill calls back to Drew Barrymore because Samara Weaving's just an awesome, talented actress, and she could be the lead of this franchise. She's so damn good, but she's the opening kill. I was bummed as soon as I saw her because I knew Samara Weaving was going to be in the movie. I had my suspicion she was the opening kill, but I was really hoping it would be, she would have a bigger role than that. But the second the camera pans to her in that restaurant, you're like, God damn it, she's a goner. But he stabs her a bunch of times, uh, kills her really brutally. Her heel breaks. He kills the shit out of her in this scene, and she acts the shit out of the moment, as Samara Weaving al always does. It, what makes me love this scene so much is the line drop that he has when he's like, Now I see something red. Bam! Does that whole thing. And then you think the title's going to drop, but instead of the title dropping, he leans down. And you're like, Oh shit! We got a, this is a fucking bonus pack. Bonus pack, everyone! Uh, it's like finding a french fry in the bottom of the McDonald's bag. Because you're fat. Talking to me, not you. But then reveals himself to be ghost. She's like, oh my god. It's such a cool moment in the movie and a, and a really good death. So, and on to the next one. Also the next one in the movie. Number seven is going to be Tony Revolori's death. The ghost face is just so badass in this scene. And his lines are so good. He's like, do you feel like meat? Falls down, blood in his mouth. And he's like, but we got to finish the movie. And then Ghostface says, who gives a fuck about movies? Bam! Cue the Mike Shinoda. Just what a beautiful death scene, man. Like, again, very simple. You do see the intestines start to come out. Another sign that this movie is going to be a bit nastier than the other. Scream 5, Scream 6 if you're nasty. Number 6, the shop owner himself. 
Very simple death. The guy gets stabbed. Ghostface gets the drop on him. He gets stabbed. He gets hit with a shotgun. Ghostface takes his shotgun. He's, give me that goddamn map. And then points the gun at him. It's a simple death, but to see Ghostface in public using a shotgun. We've seen Ghostface use guns before, uh, but usually, you know, out of the robe, out of the mask. This is Ghostface full regalia you don't know who it is yet holding up a shotgun and they had that beautiful shot where the camera focus went out you just saw that shotgun in your face and the guy screaming please no i'm looking for ray finkel in a new pair of shorts Ghostface just point blank with a shotgun just again another tone setter for how gnarly this ghost face is going to be that's what they mean when they say this one that's something different it was he was gnarlier he was meaner than we've seen a lot of ghost face be and that scene just it was sort of iconic for this movie in particular that moment was and they even had him at the end with a shotgun in the quick little shot before the the credits came up number five this is what this got really tough here because there's a lot of great kills in this movie number five is going to be detective bailey he reveals himself as the ultimate ghost face he's being stabbed seven thousand times in the arms melissa Brera is so fucking hot when she stabs people with a knife and i'm just here to admit it i don't care she's sweaty she's she's violent she just starts to go nuts wearing the ghost face robe just tearing his arms apart things looks like a fucking pork loin at this point and he's just taking it and then ultimately the 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 stab right in the eye once she gets jenna's jenna ortega's like okay i'm not gonna judge you for murdering this man in the eye hole stabs it in the eye Woo! A lot of face stabbing in this movie. Whole lot of face stabbing, which we're going to get to. But that was a great death for what I thought was a great ghost face. Like people, some people say it was too over the top. I love the, the way he chewed the scenery with his monologue there. So I think that's just a personal taste thing. Reminded me more of like Mickey. Didn't see that coming, did you? <laughs> They've always been sort of over the top like that. I've got my numbers all fucked up, haven't I? God damn it. Just forget all the numbers I've actually been saying because I'm a stupid fuck shit. Third best kill of the movie was Ethan's death because it was a twofer. Number one, not not the not the most interesting ghost face I've ever seen for sure. But man, that die hard moment was so badass when Jenna's like, you have to let me go. And I'm like, the script is tying together, guys. Just drops her down, diehard style, grabs the knife, takes a shot to the stomach because in this franchise, shots to the stomach might as well be bee stings. <laughs> uh, takes a stab to the stomach, but in return, sticks that thing in Ethan's throat and twist the old grab his dick and twist it just turns that thing around we've seen people stabbed in the face we haven't seen many people stabbed in the throat and we've never seen someone stabbed in the throat and then twist it around that was amazing and then obviously he gets the stew death at the end which some people are arguing that that's them saying see tvs do kill people and to that i say hey knives also kill people in this franchise like over and over again and then over and over again they don't so that doesn't actually mean shit but he does get the tv dropped on him by kirby so uh it's a little bit of a final death N nice little twist on the killer still alive thing number two very very simple but very very just mm, it's so you yet so you for scream six uh the therapist henry Cesarni, who i love uh kittredge you've never seen me upset i love that guy i love that actor he did great in this role she's watching tv in his skivvies i would think that he would be a little bit more cautious considering how scared he was of sam he answers the door and this fucking ghost face shows up in this beautiful shot of him coming up in the frosty window and he's like oh any a little early for trick-or-treating listen they did the same thing in terrifier 2 somebody like that shows up at my house outside or even close to halloween hours and is not acting right whatsoever I'm not opening the fucking door. But anyways, he slams his face a couple times against the thing, stabs him right in the nose. And they even made a good joke about it. He's like, in the nose? Like, in the nose. But 
gets it in the nose just deep and then they show it too it's just like right in that little crease right there where you get fucking pimples and just i don't know you know it, it it's not the gnarliest kill on here but it reminds me of wes's kill in five and i just thought it was i just thought it was pretty fucking shocking in the moment so i really like that kill and these you can honestly switch around i wouldn't mind if you put bailey and ethan above him for that one but just something about being stabbed in the nose i've never seen it before and it makes me feel all weird in my insides like when people's fingers touch carpet or or you see someone brush their teeth on tv oh god i hate it my number one kill of scream six uh a movie with tons of awesome kills in it's gonna be annika it was so mean on multiple levels not only was she stabbed in the stomach but the twist, once again, they made a fucking C. It was a C shape. Like when you're trying to put, you ever, you ever put in like those long fluorescent light bulbs and you have to like scoot them in a certain way? He puts it up in there around her navel. Oh God, have you ever been touched in the belly button? I fucking hate it, man. It's just, it's the way the knife twists in the belly button. And if you watch it really close, I can't show it here. You see the belly button fucking move and like pop out a little bit when he does it and just turns it in a C shaped fashion. It's disgusting. And then she has to live with that. She's bleeding out all of the floor. Ghostface is still attacking them. And I'm thinking, just die. Fucking die already. I don't want to see you live through this anymore. Like, if that were me, I'd be like, can you... I'd I'd had one of those movie moments where I just looked at Mindy and I was like, finish me. Please, God, I don't want to live through this. Because she's just spurting blood all over the floor. And then the next thing you know, they wanted to crawl across a fucking ladder way up in the air in the middle of the New York streets with the wind and all that shit. Ghostface, obviously, she's the last one left on the ladder, and it's just so mean. It's so twisted and mean. You know, shit's just falling out of her stomach. You know, and, and he just picks it up, and he just starts. I like how he gets angry and angry. He, like, flips it a little bit. He's like, eh? Eh? <laughs> like that guy from Chips with the hair? Eh? 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 But I like how he got angry with it, and then he just starts slamming it and twisting it. It's so fucked up and mean, man. And then ultimately, she dies like four deaths in the scene. She falls off of it, hits her face on that fucking garbage can and then they show it to you ah jesus man what a gnarly kill one of the gnarliest kills of the entire franchise and this this entry into the franchise may be the goriest yet i definitely don't think they were lying to us about that they have lied to us about several movies in the past oh it's way gorier and like it was kind of gorier scream six was fucking gorier so some amazing kills in scream six uh what would your all's list be what's your rank comment down below please let me know Hey guys, welcome back to We Watch Movie. I am Mike. Thanks for taking a moment of your day to spend it with me. And we're talking Scream ah, 7 this time. We are getting a little bit deep. There's so much more to cover about Scream 6, and we will as we go along. But now we're starting to also question, hey, what the hell's next, Jimbo Johnson? I'm ready to put some stuff up in me. That sounded really weird, and I didn't mean for it to sound that way. But my point is this. Where will Scream 7 take place? So I put this up on Twitter just for fun. Like, hey, so the original Scream, obviously Woodsboro. Then they went to Windsor College in Ohio. Then they went to Hollywood in Scream 3, back to Woodsboro. And now in the fifth one, back in Woodsboro, the sixth one is in New York City. As we know, where will the seventh one go? We're going to talk about some stuff that ties into the story and what would make sense for the story. And we're also going to talk about just some fun stuff and also by the way new merch sydney i made some new shirts they got our logo on the front and they got my maybe my favorite all-time scream quote on them from dewey on the back how do you know that my dim-witted inexperience isn't merely a subtle form of manipulation used to lower people's expectations thereby enhancing my ability to effectively maneuver within any given situation we got shirts, hoodies, different color sizes, women's shirts, all that stuff. There's a link down below to our merch store if you want to check those out. It's in the description box. 
the first question we have to ask ourselves is, is it a good idea for the franchise to go to another new place at all? Because as fun as it was to go to New York and this the Scream franchise has been a couple different places, my ice maker just scared the fuck out of me. Should they either definitely keep it in New York or go back to Woodsboro? Because you kind of you don't want like a Carmen San Diego franchise where each time they have to go somewhere new and crazy and different. That's an interesting thing to think about in itself. But we'll get into more of that stuff. The number one answer I got from you guys on Twitter, space. There is no other place for it to go take it to space or shut your fucking hole obviously everybody's joking that would be the end of the franchise for sure once a franchise goes to space it might as well go to the porter potty man because it ain't coming back jason withstanding imagine a ghost face on a giant spaceship hunting down his crew where there's no place you can escape to you know hunting him down event horizon sunshine style but also let's take a look at where our characters are in the real world here so we're in new york city at the end of this and scream spoilers scream six spoilers I should say, are going to probably sneak through in this video. So they're in New York still. Uh, Tara just started college. Several of them just started college. Sam's the only one not in college. That awkward moment. She's like, what are you even doing here? You got a shitty job you don't even like. Our pets' heads are falling off. I got robbed by a sweet old lady on her shopping cart. Didn't even see it coming. What movie is that from? Comment down below. That's the easy one. You give him all the easy ones. What's that from? All right, I'm done with the movie quotes. So we leave them and they're still in New York. But I think there's a very poignant moment where at the end of all that, when they sit down and and Sam is like, Tara, are you okay? And she's like, no, I'm fucking not. Thank you for asking. I'm not fine at all. So you have one or two options here. And one is stay in New York City. But that felt like a specific thing to that movie, you know? Another option they could do is they could stay in New York and they could stay at the college, but they could go all in on the college setting. We didn't really see them much at the dorm or anything like that, really taking classes and stuff like that. So they could kind of switch the perspective, keep it in New York, but focus on the university, focus on them in class, going to school, kind of taking it back in a weird way to Scream 1 and 2. Scream 2 did show them at the college a lot. Scream 1 obviously showed them in high school, but you could do a mix of that and do that and i'd be fine with that as well i gotta think they're gonna go away from it i really do and i think maybe the way to do that is to be they're all really fucked up from this is tara specifically is not ready to go like take fucking calculus or whatever she's in when i went to college i was still in algebra because i'm a fucking idiot that's why i do youtube today i lasted like six weeks <laughs> i wasn't made to be a business manager dad and two, what if they went just went back to Woodsboro? I mean, that's a pretty simple thing, but they would have to have a reason to go specifically back to Woodsboro, especially with the past and everything that's happened. I don't want the franchise to abandon Woodsboro because it's so important to the series, but also they would need a specific reason. There's no way in my mind that this cast would want to go back to Woodsboro because that's a specific place that they were trying to get away from. And then the third thing I want to talk about, what about Sydney? Now, this is a crazy theory. I, I, we were doing the live stream spoiler stream the other day, and it was a really fun time. And someone brought it up, and I thought about it. I thought, what about this? Like, there is a chance here, and I'm not saying they should do it because we're very invested in the core four and everything going on there. But say Sydney does, Nev Campbell does sign on to do a new screen movie and to be the face of that screen movie. What if the franchise really departed from what they're doing right now and just went to where Sydney is, either where she left uh, to go into hiding, kind of with Mark and the kids? I wouldn't call it hiding. I would just call it getting the fuck out of here before Ghostface kills my kids. It's not like she was in Witsec. But wherever Sydney is, what if the franchise took a pivot, went really back into the old school and followed Sydney to wherever she is in this new Ghostface or maybe Stu, who knows, 
specifically wants to find her. And whether you bring in the core four or not, the movie mainly follows her and her plight. And what if you really just hone in on Sydney specifically? Now, a big theory from people is that, look, Scream 5 replicates Scream 1 in a lot of ways. Scream 6 replicates Scream 2. And there's so many parallels between Scream 2 and Scream 6. So a lot of people say, hey, let's go to Hollywood, right? The, the seventh movie should parallel Scream 3. I don't personally think this is going to happen. And here's why. Because Scream 1 and Scream 2 are the beacons of the franchise for most. And I feel like Scream 3 is a low point for most. So it, I have a hard time believing that they would actually want to go back into the Scream 3 territory. As much as the first two were odes to the, those first two films, I don't know if Scream 3 has enough in it. And I've learned to like it over the years. I've learned to really appreciate it when I used to dislike it. I do, but I, I don't know if they want to go back into that territory. And they could even throw some meta commentary about that in the movie, about nobody's going to copy the third film in the franchise. So it's going to be something different this time. There's a lot of traces that would tell you they could go back to Hollywood for this. And maybe, I don't want to see them do that, to be honest with you, because what I learned to love about Scream 3 in the end was that it, the stuff with our main characters. I was never a fan of the, the actors portraying them in the Stab movies, and I thought we went way off course with that stuff. But I always love the stuff between Dewey, Gale, and Sydney in that movie. You know, I'm just not that interested in, in going to Hollywood and redoing the Scream 3 thing personally, myself. But there's a lot of people who say, hey, what about the Stu theory? Roman being the, the singular dude, they could do that with Stu this time. Now that I'm into, you got me going. You put it, you put, you put a feather at my butt and tickled it. I'm not saying that's what gets me going. I've never had that happen before. I haven't had that happen since Mexico, and I've never been to Mexico. They just don't have the regulations. And another thing that ties into the storylines is what about Atlanta? Kirby was from Atlanta. The first two killers from the get beginning, they said they met at, at school in Atlanta. So that's another setting we can go to. Or you could go another big city like Chicago or something like that. But to me, honestly, like we did the city thing with New York. So I feel like you either stay in New York, the biggest city of all. Uh, just going to a different city would just kind of feel like the same, especially since it was filmed not actually in New York, but in, in Canada or whatever. So that is one idea, though. It does tie into the storylines. One of the funnest ones I saw you guys bring up, and I won't post them here because I don't know if people want their faces and whatever in the videos and stuff like that. Uh, but again, you can check it out on the Twitter. Uh, there's some awesome ideas and some cool conversation going on there for sure. But one of the funnest ideas I saw people bring up was what about like in so many words, what if, what if it picks up where it left off? Our, our core four are going back to Woodsboro or, or either to Woodsboro or they're going somewhere new and Ghostface is chasing them like road trip style. Imagine Ghostface uh, immediately on the hunt. They're moving. They've got to go to airports. They've got to get on uh, on on planes and stuff like that. So either go Ghostface in an airport in one scene, pretty fucking interesting. Ghostface in a plane. Ray Liotta, turbulent style, really interesting to me. And I feel like that would really throw a whole new layer into the franchise. It's one of my favorite picks out of this. All right, so we've talked about some of the story points and where the story could go, but let's just talk about for fun some stuff you would want to see aside from Ghostface in space. Like, uh, what stuff do you want to see in the franchise? When do we see Jamie Lee's breasts? And again, this whole section here is going to come with the caveat of like, should the should we Carmen San Diego this bitch and really be jumping around locations because it's going to set a precedent? And is that a good thing to do with the franchise or not? I don't know. But just for fun's sake, talking about it, some cool ideas people brought up. Uh, New Orleans. Imagine Ghostface during Mardi Gras. I think the person who said this, like every time he stabs someone, he gets beads. <laughs> but that's a setting with a bunch of people around partying and Ghostface appearing on balconies and shit like that. Imagine him throwing a dead body off a roof into a crowd of people. Someone said, what about a, a cruise ship? <laughs> Immediately you think, are you talking about Speed 2 fucking cruise control? <laughs> 
<laughs> Goddamn Jason Patrick. It didn't work that time. It's not going to work this time. People don't work on boats. Like Ghostface on a cruise. It sets up some really gnarly and cool ideas. I kind of love it a little bit. One idea I kind of thought of that would be really fun because you could make a bunch of Dawn of the Dead references and stuff like that is at least have a scene set up in a mall of some sort. That would be pretty neat. Maybe do it during Christmas, which is a, a big popular idea on there was Ghostface in the snow. We've always wanted to see Jason in the snow because it just makes sense because his location. I know Never uh, Never Hike Alone did it as well, which is really cool. But like Ghostface in the snow is pretty interesting too. Ghostface during Christmas is really interesting. If you did a Christmas Christmas scream movie i'm fucking in on that shit and it would give them a little bit more time to film too you know maybe it's next december or something like that another thing someone brought up that was really cool is what if ghostface had a white robe like i know it sounds weird and it might might tickle you the wrong way in the wrong places like somewhere uncomfortable like the backseat of a volkswagen but imagine ghostface in the snow with a white robe coming at you it's kind of freaky to think about a little bit and even if you didn't go the white robe route then you could at least do Ghostface in Christmas. You could show some Ghostface in the snow. You, there's a bunch of meta references you could do to stuff like Black Christmas and other Christmas horror movies. They could have a fucking field day with that shit. And then there's the idea of, of anywhere really abroad. And uh, 3C, Chris Parker brought up a really interesting he- point here. They do mention Sam and Tara's mom is, is, is abroad in London on business. Her and Neil fucking Prescott in cahoots always stand at those Marriott's by the goddamn airport. We know what you're up to, Neil. But a bunch of us think that the mom has got to tie in somewhere. I mean, she was mentioned in the Scream 5 script, but not shown. They could have just pulled her out for time, or maybe they thought, hey, there's something here for later on. But think about the interesting settings they could have. Ghostface in Paris, the Eiffel Tower, Ghostface in London. You sound like you're from London. Ghostface in Tokyo is one of my favorites. That would just look cool as shit. Uh, I think some of these are ideas for future parts of the franchise maybe after we get done with the core four and we tell this story what if someone just tells a brand new story with total brand new characters and you set it in tokyo or something like that uh but what if what if they go to study abroad they say hey you know what let's get even further the fuck away and let's go study abroad tokyo italy someplace like that and then ghostface follows them there they're like god damn i can't get away from this fucker Travelocity is so easy, anyone can use it. And welcome to today's sponsor. I'm kidding. One of my favorite ideas, by the way, was the tropical setting idea. Now, I know I still know what you did last summer did this, but honestly, it's one of the best parts about that movie. And horror movies don't use that locale enough. And all I can think about right now is Ghostface in a Hawaiian t-shirt. But whether it's spring break or, or, or whatever, Hawaii, I don't know. The idea of it being in a tropical location, though it does have parallels to I still know what you did last summer, is that not perfect for a meta movie that's referencing other movies they could have a lot of fun with that hell maybe you do both you take a a cruise and then when it gets to where it's going then ghostface attacks in a tropical island that's a twofer a big choice was las vegas ghostface in las vegas sin city there's so many lines and things they could do with that oh and back to the ghostface in the snow thing one point i want to make my friend julianne here uh made a really great point she's an awesome writer by the way check her out she made a great point if you even if he was wearing the black robe in the snow, could you imagine it glistening or even the Christmas lights like off of that shiny ass robe? How cool he would look in certain scenes. I'm really liking the idea of this. And then finally, lastly, just a little idea. What about a cabin in the woods somewhere? It's a horror trope. You could throw in a thousand meta references, Evil Dead, all that stuff. The only thing here is it's just it. Maybe it's been done too many times. You already got Jason, you know, Friday the 13th, Crystal Lake, all that stuff like that. Evil Dead. It's been done so many times. Maybe it'd be too much. What about a ski lodge or something like that? Best of both. You got the woods. You got the snow. You could do Christmas. That's a threefer. Triple kill.
Thrice. Good band. But yeah, that's it, guys. A bunch of fun stuff that came from you guys on Twitter that was really fun to talk about. And I'm very excited to see what they do with this new setting, if they use a new one or if they stick in New York or they do whatever this. What do you guys want to see? What's your favorite idea on this list? Comment down below. I want to know all your ideas and your fixings. And don't forget to check out those sweet new Dewey Quote shirts. Again, in the link below. Thank you guys for hanging out with me today. Hey, guys. Welcome back to We Watch Movie. I am Mike. Thanks for spending a moment of your data with me to talk once again about Scream six and the where we stand on the whole stew lives idea now before i get into anything else tonight on march the 13th at 8 p.m eastern we are having a spoiler party for scream six we are talking all the spoilers we're gonna see what that movie's insights look like sydney or greg or whoever i'm gonna talk about it you're gonna talk about it we're gonna bounce off ideas off each other we're gonna have a great time you're gonna hit me with the phone dick click subscribe and make sure you click the bell so that what was that? <laughs> Make sure you click the bell so that your phone or your tablet or whatever will be like, hey, don't forget, there's a Scream 6 spoiler party going on right now, Greg. You need to get your ass to it. Go ahead and do it right now. I'll wait. Thank you. So where do we stand on Stu being alive after the events of Scream 6? There's a lot of incorrect information, I feel like, floating around out there. So first off, let me just let you guys know where I stand on the whole thing. I believe that Stu could be alive. I think extremes of each of this are kind of wrong i think it's wrong to be like Stu is definitely dead and you're not even allowed to talk about whether or not you think he's alive or not or have fun with it so fuck you have a nice day eat some fucking french toast i think that's the wrong way to go although i do love french toast as much as the next guy but on the other side i think to at the end of this say they only do seven movies which i highly doubt you see how much money this thing made holy crap most in the franchise six installment unheard of that's just nuts but you can't go into that going, I'm going to be disappointed with this movie no matter what if they don't bring Stu back. I think it should be a surprise, and if it happens, great. But if not, we still got a legendary performance, and you, you're not going to have to spend the rest of your life arguing about whether or not a TV killed somebody. So, win-win. I want to see Stu back. Matthew Lillard, Stu is probably my favorite character from the whole franchise. I, I love him so much. That's where I stand on my hopes and dreams. I'm just, I'm not going to judge what these people do with their movies if they just don't bring one character back fan service wise what i've believed in the past and for a second there i thought this was going to happen with scream six i made a whole pitch video that many of you guys have watched and we've talked about a lot that uh it was until nev says she wasn't coming back i was like okay that idea squashed until maybe she comes back in seven if she comes back you have to have nev for my whole stew theory to work but the number one reason that people have had for saying Stu is absolutely dead fuck you eat french toast and you know that whole thing as we said I'm hungry, is that if Stu was alive and in jail, they would have mentioned him at some point in the franchise. And you're absolutely right. That's I, I think the same thing. I don't think he's been in jail, though. I think that they faked his death. Just to give you a quick rundown of my whole Scream 6 pitch, which eventually I'll make another one for 7. The gist of it is the fact that Stu's... When they put him in the ambulance, he still had a pulse. They had called his dad. The sheriff and his dad may have been friends. You can tie this up any way you want to, but just the bare basics of it. Maybe the sheriff and dad were his friends. You see how much money his parents have? Look at his fucking house say a prayer for the youth of america his parents obviously have a buttload of money and maybe the sheriff was a friend or he owed him a gambling debt who knows the sheriff was very sketchy that entire movie in my opinion we never really delved into that on the flip side of that i think that maybe he called him he said hey listen if my son goes to the hospital and lives or whatever he's going to be in jail for the rest of the life he's going to of his life he's going to be a pariah help me out on this on the flip side you could easily do something like say the drunk kids who left Stu's party to go see principal Hembry's body hanging 
uh, that, that were drunk driving almost hit Gail and Dewey, say they got in a wreck and all of them died in a fiery blaze. The cops are running around with ghost face. Maybe they, they literally burnt to death in that wreck. So right there you have a closed casket body that you could easily pull a switcheroo around with, do something, dental records, whatever you want to do that the writers could finagle. Now, me saying that's one thing. Imagine the writers honing that in and then also having Matthew Lillard deliver those lines, pulling off the ghost face mask as Stu, telling Sydney and whoever else is in the room, like, it's nice to have friends in high places, Sydney. You know, something like that. I, something way better than that, obviously, but that's my whole idea. That's what I think could happen. Now, on to the point of the video, where does Scream 6 leave us with the whole Stu Truther situation? Well, Scream 5 barely mentioned him. It was just on the bottom of that, right under, by the way, them saying showing that Kirby was still alive as a survivor. You saw the little icon at the bottom of the video that's like something along the lines of, is did Stu secretly survive? Is Stu Mocker still alive? Something like that. One of those like conspiracy video type things. But there was a hint at it all the way back in Scream 5. Now, fast forward to Scream 6 where we end. And again, Scream 6 spoilers abound in this. But there's really two main things. Now, they showed the TV, of course, and all that stuff. Some awesome Stu Easter eggs. Kirby even kills... Ethan with the Stew TV set, which is amazing. But the first one that comes up, you've had a lot of people, and this is what I mean by misinformation, coming out and being like, I'm so glad they put the Stew thing to, to rest in this movie. And it's like, bitch, what you talking? I don't know what movie you watch, but that's not what they did here at all. Like, what happened here is, when Kirby's talking to Dimit Mulroney, Dermot, Duchovny camera flips over to the board and you see all the characters or whatnot and it shows Stu right there underneath it says death Stu Mocker death 1996 now people will also say if you look over to the right there's like a question mark over here that could be on purpose maybe maybe not I don't know but it just saying that he died on that board is absolutely not the movie saying Stu is dead I'm sorry it's just not especially I just said like my whole theory is that Stu's not been in prison. I think that would be terrible writing if they try to have Stu in prison and have him not mentioned. You think if, if Ghostface popped up in any of these movies, the first thing people would think is, I wonder if Stu Mocker has something to do with this from behind bars. So, of course, he's dead in everyone's eyes around us. Of course, they think he's dead. And that question mark even adds a little bit more speculation to that. But then later in the film, they kind of, if you thought that that door was slammed shut, that imaginary door got kicked the fuck right back open when Kirby characters talking to Mindy and she's like yeah this is the TV that killed Stu Mocker and she's like yeah if you believe he's dead so that just shows right there there's at least a rumor going around behind the scenes from the the iPad in Scream 5 to Mindy saying if you believe he's dead someone who's a huge fan of the stab movies and horror movies and all that stuff like that probably sends quite a bit of a time on Reddit having a good old time and that's also how she figured out how to survive a really really deep stomach stab wound and be on her feet just running around having a good time 12 minutes later <laughs> And also, I want to point you to the latest interview that we just saw that came out right as Scream was premiering that we talked about in one of the Scream updates where they asked the writers about it, they asked the directors about it, they even asked Kevin Williamson about it, who previously told somebody, he said, yeah, Stu's, Stu's dead. That was another moment where you had a bunch of people going, no, see, Stu's dead, it's over with, it's over with. And the whole idea is, look, was Andrew Garfield Spider-Man or not? You know, like how many times did he say he wasn't in that fucking movie? If, if... And Kevin Williamson has never, ever gone out before and said, I think Stu is dead. They've asked him directly about it, and he's never said, I think Stu is dead. He talked about him being in Scream 3. For all of a sudden, Scream 7, 6 to be coming out, and him to be like, oh, by the way, everyone, Stu's dead, just so you know. That's super suspect to me. Everyone! 
everyone's a suspect. Especially Kevin Williamson for being a goddamn liar in this situation. I love him. He's doing his job. I would lie about it too. Of course he's not going to say Stu is alive if they plan on bringing Stu back. Come on, Sydney. Fuck. But... In this interview that they did with the writers, the directors, with Kevin Williamson, they all said the same thing. This is the most recent it's been discussed as far as I know. They all said, hey, you never know. They asked Skeet Ulrich about it, and he said, I know that Matt really wants to do it. They asked Kevin Williamson, he even said, never say never. So, so I mean, there you have it. I think it's open. I think it could happen for sure. And that's where we stand on it officially. But let's take a look at some other things for fun. One question we have after this movie is, is Stu the mastermind behind all of this? Does that possibility still exist? One of my main reasons in my pitch to have Stu still be back alive was that you could really fill the plot holes from both of these movies. A lot of the problems people have with Scream 5 and Scream 6 could actually be fixed by the fact that if Stu was the mastermind running all this, and here's how. Number one, the whole uh, Amber not being able to to, to kill these people for her height and, and all that, and would Amber be able to kill Dewey one-on-one after all the shit that he's been through and survived? Lord, no, it's, it's a huge plot hole in the movie. I think that it was Stu in that scene specifically. Now people say, yeah, but Amber says that she did it. Of course. Of course she's going to say he did it. Go back to exhibit A with Kevin Williamson. She's trying to fuck with Gail. She's, you know, and of course, if they're under the cult ship of Stu doing all this for him, then of course they're going to say that. They're not going to say, actually, the guy I wasn't supposed to tell you existed did that. Look at the height. Look at the way he moves. Everything, the, the whole hospital scene from five totally seems like it was Matthew Lillard to me. And of course, he'd be the one that wanted to kill Dewey. Now, that plot hole's fixed from five if, if you have Stu behind the scenes of both these movies running everything. Another plot hole that gets fixed is the fact that Quinn's character did a lot of shit in this movie as well that would be hard to believe she was capable of physically. And that's something I really didn't want them to do again. I feel like we wore out our welcome with having the physical aspects of Ghostface not matched the 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 person who reveals himself to be Ghostface. And it was nice to have the detective actually have those abilities, and that makes sense. But if you place them at the scenes that they're at in the movie, Quinn did a lot of heavy lifting. She apparently picked up Gail's boyfriend like a ninja of the night, suffering an injustice. Picks his big ass up and throws him across the room. I couldn't throw that guy six fucking inches. That, again... That's two main cast members during their attacks whose killer reveal does not match the descriptions, right? Now, and both of them, again, are legacy members. Dewey's death and Gail's attempted death scene one-on-one. Both of those, two people who stew, of course, those are the ones he'd want to kill. He recruits these kids through Reddit or wherever, living in his parents' fucking attic, wherever they've been stashing them this entire time. And however you want to write that shit, they've mentioned Reddit and things like that several times on here. And true crime is a huge deal. We all know that. Of course, he would let them do some of the stuff on the side. But when it comes to the main people, he would want to be there for and you'd have a valid argument to say that, yeah, but what about Sydney and Gail in the kitchen at the end of five? Stu wasn't there then. And I would say to that, yeah, you do have an argument, but also, but I think Stu knew those kids were fucked and they weren't going to be able to take down Gail and Sydney. I think they got as far as they were going to get, especially with everything going on. I think he was just collateral damage at that point, pushing them to the side. But I could easily see Matthew Lillard telling Sydney as Stu in that moment, yeah, but I wasn't done with you yet, Sid. But I think the idea that Stu is still the mastermind running all this is very much still alive, especially when you go back to five and Amber's telling them when we bought this house. So Stu's parents, if the idea is that they kept him alive secretly, of course they're going to get the fuck out of Woodsboro, probably go somewhere like, I don't know, New York, 
Amber's parents bought Stu's house. So how easy would it have been to, for Stu to find out who she was, find out everything about her, contact her on the internet, and and get this whole thing started, especially when you, when you look at the, the whole fact about Richie's family. After what happened to Richie, guess who probably would have contacted her dad and everybody and been like, hey, this is what was going on with your son. Do you want to make the people who did it pay like I do? It makes total sense to me that if Stu is really just trying to push Sydney to a breaking point and kill off Gail and everybody and just keep these attacks going, finding new people online and getting in their head or speaking to them or whatever, getting them to this point. He could have been the one that found the film nuts that were going to Samara Weaving's college and got them started and then also told the detective, hey, get rid of this for me. It's kind of like the Joker in the Dark Knight, right? When it's like, I'm supposed to kill the so-and-so guy and the clowns are like killing each other one after another after they finish their piece of the job and then Joker's left with all the money. That could be what's going on with Stu here. He set up Richie and Amber because he knew that they were fucked. He set up the two kids at the college. He set up Richie's family. And when Sydney wasn't there, he's probably just decided, hey, I don't care about what's going on here. You guys finish whatever. Or maybe, fuck, he could have been in that entire shrine room the entire time. It also helps to reason about how the detective got all that shit and Richie got all that shit in the first place. So I'm not going deep into every little aspect of it right now. I'm just painting the picture that Guess what? The whole cult of Ghostface thing, the whole Stu running this entire thing, it still exists. And again, I'm not saying it has to be that. I'm not saying it has to be that at all. They could not bring Stu back. They could bring Stu back in an entirely different way. But my best theory that I can come up with that I think would be pretty cool is if Seven brings Sydney back. And maybe she knew she was going to come back for this as well. Maybe she knew at seven if the, that they were going to pay her the right amount for a full role in a movie. But in six, she was going to have a very, very tiny role. And they wanted to pay her for a tiny role, not a big role. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not movie fucking Matlock. I'm just saying that's a possibility. And so maybe Sydney comes back in Scream 7. If Sydney comes back, they can bring Stu back and it all comes full circle. Maybe Radio Silence makes five more Scream movies. And this thing just keeps getting hotter and hotter and hotter. And Scream 10 is when we finally reveal Stu. I don't know what's going to happen. And I don't really care. As long as they deliver as good movies, I love what we got with Stu. Matthew Lillard was amazing. I won't be upset if they don't bring him back. I won't rage or hashtag release the Stu cut. I don't know, whatever. But uh, So don't get me wrong here. I, uh, I'm not... Movies don't create psychos. They make psychos more creative. Shit, who knows? Maybe one day down the road, somebody new nightmares this whole bitch. And we actually have Nev Campbell playing herself, Matthew Lillard playing herself, Skeet Ulrich playing himself. We can bring back everybody and we can do a story about a ghost face who's attacking the actors from the Scream movies. Why the fuck not? That's actually what they should do when Radio Silence is done with this. Holy shit, what if they did that for the seventh one in honor of Wes Craven, New Nightmare? <gasps> who knows? I don't. Do you? Fuck off. Just kidding. So, guys, that's what I'm saying. That's where we stand right now. You've still got multiple people out there that are related to Stu, that could be related to Stu. What's up with Sam and, and, and Tara's mom? What's going on there? There's so many links to stuff out there in the world. What am I doing? Honk, honk! There's so many links to stuff out there in the Scream universe that anything could happen. I think maybe the writers for this have a plan in place. And that they could switch a route at any time. Hey, we could bring Stu back, and we could make him the leader of all this, and we could fill in these plot holes as we go along from the killers, or we could just leave it be and, and, and change it up at any time. They're leaving themselves in a very fluent situation, very much the opposite of the end of Halloween 5, if you will. So I'm very excited, but in my mind, that's where we stand with Stu. It's still possible he's alive. The theories are still possible. They haven't closed the door on it yet. 
And uh, hopefully, if they're not going to do it, they'll stop hinting at it a little bit because you don't want to get people upset. What do you guys think about all this? Comment down below. I can't wait to hear your all's thoughts. And we will see you tonight, Sydney, at 8 p.m. Eastern. I love your fucking faces. You guys have an awesome day. Halloween never ends. Suck my fucking dick. And I don't really care what Blumhouse fucking says. Put him in a box. But suck a fucking cock. You can say he's dead, but we all know he's not. Yeah. So let's go trick or treating, let's go fucking drinking, let's all go in pumpkin head on VHS. Cause Halloween never ends, Halloween never ends, Halloween never ends, yeah.